to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. This is episode 167. My name is Aaron, the people who, you know, I'm the one that you guys all come after on Twitter. Uh, but joined uh, joined with me as always is Dave and Fredo. How's it going, guys? Hello, hello. Hey. See, I like saying, I just like saying, you know, controversial Star Wars stuff. And then like people on Twitter go, oh, 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 what? So, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, Wait, you, you, you get chased by uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Kyle's mom from South Park. Is that what you see? But then, so anyway, no, it's, it's fun though. Like I said, I mean, I just, these are, you know, when I, when we, when you do these things, I just, I sometimes have to say the dumb things out loud, you know, to say, what if, you know, because the only thing, I mean, it's really interesting because it was the thing I said about Ezra that well, maybe Ezra is not even alive, you know, at this point. You know, and because I find it very interesting, a couple things find very interesting, by the way, and not to steal any of Fredo's uh, news thunder, but uh, we're recording this on the night that uh, the first two episodes of Ahsoka um, debut. So mm-hmm. right after this, I'll go and watch at least one. Um, but because then it's like, you know, nap nighty night bedtime. Uh, but uh, the uh, but the thing is, I find it very couple things very interesting is that one, the only bit that we've seen of Ezra in the trailers is that one hologram. That's that's it. And the other thing I find very interesting is that we've seen nothing of Zeb, even though we had Zeb in um, The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. So I, I just find those two things very interesting. And it's like, why would you... I mean, they're even dropping strong Anakin hints in the trailers, but we still just get the one... Um, you know, one hologram of Ezra. So it's just interesting to me. I, um, I do want to say, though, that it was my friend, Sarah, who, yeah, who pointed this out, and uh, she's lovely, uh, and we appreciate her listening uh, to the podcast. And uh, But, yeah, it, yeah it is kind all of that funny... was in tongue-in-cheek. I wasn't I would, attacked, but it's I just... would revolt. Like again, like to the point that you made, it's like how how could they do such a thing? And it's like I'm the same way. I would revolt if they like killed him off screen. I I still think um, on a you know, kind of related note, I still think they should have done that with Princess Leia. Um, I think that would have been for Episode Nine. Yeah, I think yeah. I think they, I think they should have done that. Um, but uh, no, I mean it's just like I said, I just find that interesting. It's kind of like when I would go observe teachers in the classroom sometimes it's like um i would just notice little dumb things that you know it's like okay so why did you do did or did you know that you were doing this or did you did you plan to do xyz um like i said this just i find it very interesting trailers are very interesting to me um but anyway like i said we've only seen one thing of ezra and nothing of zeb um but anyway so we'll find out starting tonight. So yay, new Star Wars. Yeah, by the time people hear this, they will they may have a better, clearer picture. <laughs> They're going to have a crawl and it says Ezra is dead. Oh, no. <laughs> Ezra died. The dead speaks. <laughs> the dead speak. Ezra. <laughs> all, all we get, all we get is the hologram. The hologram. Uh, the hologram. Um, but anyway, so, uh, cool. Well, like I said, we'll find out, but no, no, I, I appreciate Thank you for engaging on Twitter. It's fun. You know, it's I, like I said, I was not being, it was not being mean towards me and it, it was very fun, but please do know that when I say those dumb things, it's just to have fun. Um, apology accepted. 
Captain Nida. You'll know when I really believe it. Um, all right, so let's start off with a little bit of trivia to get us going here. Um, Fredo. Yeah. What animals attach themselves to the Millennium Falcon's hull in the asteroid cave? Those would be the Minoc. Oh, can, I, can you say that again, please? Minoc. Okay, yeah, I didn't hear you enunciate the consonant at the end. So, yes, it is Minox. Beastly things. Shoo, shoo. That's mm-hmm. one of my favorite Star Wars lines. Uh, C-3PO saying, beastly things. Shoo, shoo. All right. Well, this is interesting. <laughs> Dave, what are the dominant native life forms on Endor? And for bonus points, can you name another life form on Endor? <laughs> That's probably not part of the question. It should be Ewoks. I would say they're the dominant. Ewoks, but can you yeah. na- can you name? That's because I, I was like, this is a softball question. Can you name another uh, Endorian life form wilford brimley <laughs> oh <laughs> man we're going into the into the chest there woo yeah that's all i got uh well the there were blurgs then because we but blurg well, were blurgs on and were they, were they on endor were, they, were they in the ewok movies i think so but i don't know if they're but it's, it's kind of like are they kind of like horses where, you know, in America, because horses aren't native to America. They were brought from Spain, uh, it's, right? It's been too long since I re, uh, watched the Ewok movies. That's that's the takeaway here. I need to go back and watch the Ewok movies. Again, next, next watch party for this podcast. All right. So um, for me, who falls victim to Luke Skywalker's Jedi mind trick in Jabba's palace? That would be Bib Fortuna. Man, dominant dominant species on indoor okay all right well we got a couple little news tidbits um one i kind of already spoiled but fredo before we get by the way tonight we're going to be watching the uh, ser- uh the series finale of um rebels so you can watch along with us it's called family reunion and farewell it's season four episode 15 so as fredo is uh talking to us a little bit about a couple news points you can get your Disney Plus queued up so we can all watch it together so right up so just real quick yeah you kind of uh, took the thunder there uh, first two episodes of got dropped at 6pm Eastern um, uh, today so they were sped up, they were originally supposed to drop the usual midnight Pacific time uh, so if you go to Disney Plus actually right now Actually, I will do that while we're watching, <laughs> just to see, you know. The marketing campaign sure. for Ahsoka is so much different than anything else that they have done up till now. It's, I mean, tons of little clips and trailers. Um, I think just the fact that they moved from Wednesday to Tuesday so they could do Tano Tuesday. Um, Fredo, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, actually, I was wrong. It's uh, started, it debuts today, 9 p.m. Eastern, so in about 15 minutes, yep. our time. Yep. That's uh, when you'll find the first two episodes. I believe the first one's directed by Dave Filoni, and uh, early reviews are that it's just classic Star Wars, so 
uh, get ready for that. So and, do, uh, do, do you guys agree with me that the, it seems the marketing campaign is a lot more aggressive with this than, and if so, why do you think, is it because of, do you think it's because of the strike or do you think it's just, um, they, they don't want Bob part, Iger to stop writing checks? I think in part it's, it is the strike because they don't have, now what's interesting is because they don't have the past to be able to, you know, put in front of Entertainment Weekly, in front of Variety, in front of uh, Yahoo or whoever, they're having to be a bit more creative on how they promote the show. Same time, though, it's it's almost like it's the first. I mean, when's the last time we had a really big show on Disney Plus that just, you know, that wasn't just, okay, a uh, one-time thing. This is, this is their next big show that they're kind of betting themselves on. And after months of oh, streaming numbers are going down and people are kind of rejecting the streaming model now. This is almost like their chance to show, no, this is still something we want to do and please come take a look and whatnot. So it's going to be interesting to see how people react to it. I don't know. It seems... I, I hope... Yeah, go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. I, I hope their expectations are in check. Um, we talk about that a lot with fans. Uh, I hope Disney's expectations are in check because, like, honestly, Ahsoka is still a little bit of a niche character. Um, I don't know, man. But like, with with I, a rabid fan base, so that it could either be uh, absolutely over the moon or people will be pitchforks and torches. You know, that's true too. Like, people could get really angry with this show if it doesn't do the sorts of, deliver on the sorts of things that they want to see. But but on the same token, it's like. Are they trying to like get more subscriptions on the strength of this show? Um, that seems so. You a agree little with misguided. Me that it seems like a little bit more of a marketing push than uh, like I don't remember this big of a marketing push for Kenobi. Uh, no, I don't. Well, I mean, maybe um, it's hard to remember. And or they pushed pretty hard. Uh, I, yeah, maybe. I don't know, man. Like, it doesn't... I guess some of the Marvel stuff, too, is sort of starting to... I mean, it's all blending into itself. Like, oh, there's another show coming out. And so uh, it's easy for us to just lose track because we're not paying, like, super close attention. But I also think, yeah, they they might be pushing it a little bit harder. Uh, but again, it's like, what are their expectations with that? Because... I know that there's a, there's going to within a few a couple of months we're really going to notice these strikes, right? Um, they have they've had stuff in the can, they've had stuff sitting on the shelf. They're able to roll that stuff out, but like a couple months from now, I think we're really going to notice if there's if there's no new fresh content coming out. And so, like, I think on that basis maybe they are push, pushing it a little extra harder but um <laughs> again if they're expecting it to be like some sort of phenomenal hit i i don't know if that's realistic well and, and just to kind of piggyback off of that just remember they announced that we are going to see a price hike on disney plus so disney plus without ads is going to go up to thirteen and I'm sorry, fifteen ninety nine a month. Whereas Disney Plus Rats is going to stay at its regular seven ninety nine price. 
and same thing happened with Hulu and the whole bundle that they have with ESPN Plus. So there is a, I mean, there is an expectation or there may be a concern that they need these shows to be revenue drivers yeah. because this is, you know, if, if you if all you're interested in is getting your Disney movies, well, you can go buy the DVD, buy the Blu-ray, bust out the old VHS tape from the vault if you want. But uh, so far, if you want to watch the, any season of The Mandalorian, any any of these new Star Wars or Marvel shows, Disney Plus is really the only place where you can do that. And they need this to start becoming a moneymaker as opposed to a moneymaker, yeah. particularly on the Iger who's very much a bottom line kind of guy. I think uh, just to put a bow on it, I, I really do. My gut tells me this has more to do about the strike because they don't have, they can't rely on the actors and uh, the production crew to like be tweeting. And, you know, like you said, talking to variety and everything like that. So it's like, all right, we've got to up our YouTube ads. We got to up our, you know, Instagram posts and everything like that. You know, so I think their social media people just went, because I can't open up YouTube without getting an Ahsoka ad. And mm -hmm. I watch it every time we talked about that. But anyway, so mm -hmm. yeah, all right. Well, Ahsoka's our snipe. We'll find out how it does. So, uh, and then just right, and then just right quick, they did also announce that there's going to be a Disney Plus special. It's titled Master and Apprentice, a special look at Ahsoka, will premiere on September 15th, which is the same day that the fifth episode of Ahsoka uh, is going to drop. So, interesting that they're putting it then so i still um, say i still say first of all we know that there's going to be a master apprentice relationship between ahsoka and sabine um i think and we're you know they're like i said they're dropping hints and we've heard rumors of uh there's going to be some anakin so anakin mm -hmm. was ahsoka's master then you have ezra i'm still putting ten dollars down that we're going to see or hear kanan somehow because that was ezra's master an interesting juxtaposition juxtaposition just kind of combination because it's a you know star wars has made a big point of, of uh how much that master apprentice relationship matters not just when it goes right but when it goes wrong so it'd be interesting to see what the, why they're putting it at that point but we'll see on in a few weeks i love these types of documentaries so yay cool mm -hmm. All right, should we watch some Rebels? On the count of three, everybody hit play. And the number of the counting shall be three. And one, two, what about five. Four? Three, sir. Five is right. So let's remember what happened in the last episode. Um, they captured uh, uh, Commander Price, Go Price, Governor Price, um, and they're going to, you know, so they're and they're trying to liberate Lothal. So, mm -hmm. and uh, Ezra's looking at pictures of his family to to start things here subtle thing that just happened there when when Hera walks in that never and just never noticed when he's talking about his family she rubs her belly mm -hmm. because at the end of this we find out that she had a kid she had 
you know, um, she and Kanan uh, had, what's his name? Uh, Jason. Yeah, that's right. But it's just interesting that they, that one little tidbit that she rubs her belly. So interesting. <laughs> Callus looks like a classic Disney villain. It looks, looks like you could put mm-hmm. him in like, uh, you know, Beauty and the Beast or Little Mermaid Frozen. or something new or yeah, Frozen and it would just fit. But uh, that was a character that I didn't really like at first and it ended up growing on me through the series. Um, I kind of liked his arc from Die Hard uh, Imperial to Rebel. Um, they did a good job of highlighting how much the Empire takes and asks, but that you never really have any connection with anybody through it all. It's interesting because it's something that we've seen in stuff like Andor repeating. I just I just noticed watching the uh, subtitles and never noticed that Governor Price is from Lothal. Mm-hmm. Not just an Imperial governor assigned, but he said you're going to live, you know, free your home world. So, mm-hmm. and we're still sicking wolves on people. So the Geneva <laughs> Conventions apparently really don't, <laughs> don't don't apply here. Look, if you're not a dog person, that's a you problem. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Well, one of dog. the things that they did with Callus. Uh, I'm briefly circling back to that that was really smart was like had him and Zeb play off one another and by doing that they were able to develop both characters at the same time and we got a lot more from both of them in the process and and those those episodes are really re- rewarding I'd say and it gets paid off here too he would get the little moment between Ezra and Sabine where he goes I know I can always count on you yeah, being all being all cryptic. Yep. Um, another thing, I just kind of just looking at this. We'll have to watch see how the episode progresses. It's been a while since I've watched this, but the the lighting um, it starts rather dark, and I mean by the end it's bright sunshiny sky. So it'll be interesting to see how the you know how that lighting changes i mean there's so much they put into this episode it's not just a or i mean this series it's not just a disney cartoon but so were you guys fans of the switch from this style of animation to what we saw in uh, resistance um Personally, not I'd say a fan. I think I understood it. I mean, every show tries to be a little bit different. It's kind of like a, I've been watching, and I don't know if you guys seen uh, uh, Max put out uh, My Adventures with Superman, which is very heavily anime influenced, and it's completely different from the uh, style that uh, animated shows like Superman and Batman the animated series used to do. So it's it's completely different. It's just you kind of recognize that it's trying to tell a different story a different way. So you kind of live with it. But it was, you know, it, particularly because, you know, by this point, Rebels has done a good job of connecting with what Cold Wars did. It feels, this feels more like what it should be. But yeah, it's just different. I wasn't a huge fan of uh, Resistance um, animation, but that's just, I mean, that's not it. 
it's just like I don't like mushrooms. You know, there's nothing. <laughs> mushrooms aren't inherently bad. I just didn't like it. You know, um, I think I do appreciate the evolution, though. Is, is where I'm going with that. Well, it's just I like, mean, this they, is different than Clone Wars, and I think they had to. I mean, it's like so. It, otherwise, all these could just blend yeah. into one, and you wouldn't know where you're at. You know, it's like so. The only thing I had a problem with Rebels is that it was either great animation or bad animation. You know, mm. it's like that you can tell where they, I've said it before in other instances, you can tell where they spent their allowance. You know, um, it, it started off looking very Davy and Goliath um, and it got better. But there, even in this episode, when they cut to the Imperial officer receiving the, the code, it's like that was somebody's like, you know, 30 minute, you know, Oh crud! We need this imperial guard. You know, it was just so. Um, I understand why they made the change. You know, in the animation styles and from a create from a creative standpoint, it's nice to get into another medium. So we're throwing the ugnot. That's fun. They can fly. I love that moment. Yeah, yeah, they can fly. Yeah. There was a little tease on social media earlier about Hondo. Um, Jim Cummings was asking, well, will we see him in live action? I don't know. Hmm. Oh, really? So, I did not see yeah. that. Oh, well, I mean, we talked yeah. about that. I mean, he's, he's around. I think it would, I think it would work. <laughs> well, I mean, if, if, if Batu is canon, quote unquote, I mean, then he's, that's, that happens around the time of the last Jedi. So um, he's he's around. Um, so and here we start getting the uh, elements of uh, Ezra's plan, which is they're getting all the Imperials who will fall to come back to the Imperial Dome, so that they can all then be launched into space out of the fall when they unhook it and you know, go. And we get another little drop here. It's like, oh, I f hey, I forgot to tell you that Ezra gave me a special mission. And then they get attacked by Rook. So they're they're dropping all these little hints everywhere. Like you said, Ezra is saying, I can always count on you. You know, um, what Mark, Matt, or I can't remember, the pilot dude. Mm -hmm. um, he's saying, Ezra gave me a special mission. So now we're, what mission? What are you talking about? All right. Here again, I swear to God, if they hurt any of the wolves, I was going to throw my TV out the window. Again, doggy people know this. We got a nice moment of Rook looking like scared of the wolf too. <laughs> like something scares that guy? Okay. Here's uh, Rook calling Thrawn and tell him everything that uh, that's been happening. It's going to be interesting seeing uh, Thrawn now coming in Ahsoka, uh, just as to see how much he's grown, how much he's changed, if any, because that's always an interesting aspect. How much? How much do you allow for change to happen between this moment and whenever we see him next? Because Here's, fans want this character and here's the thing I, we've talked about it it's like the mind game has already started and watching some of the clips where they, you know we've heard 
um, like uh, uh, like a soliloquy from Thrawn in one of the clips, and it's the same actor. It's the same guy who did the voice in the cartoon, but it did not sound the same. It's like one of those things where it's just it, it, the mind game is is real. Um, How old is Ezra? What is he like at this point? Is he like 17 right now? Thereabouts, yeah. He's about the same age as uh, maybe a year or so older than Luke is, which is this is what about a couple of years ahead of uh, the Battle of Yavin. Well, his birthday is on Empire Day, but I don't think he was born on that day so yeah but anyway i'm just i just find it interesting that we've got you know a 17 year old kid barking orders at a former governor and you know everybody but i mean it shows the the faith and um belief that everybody has and is it is it because he's ezra or because he's a jedi do you think i think mostly it's because he's ezra by this point in the series four seasons in he has shown that he knows what he's doing or that he's capable. He, it's interesting, you know, the growth of his character from the kid that we meet in the first episode to this point is massive. You know, not just in terms of what he can do, you know, growth in the force, the dread of the whole nine, but also just in growth in terms of understanding that sacrifices may need to be made and he's ready to make them. So, uh, yeah, so they've got all the people um, basically locked away in their stations. So now they can, you know, launch the dome. Um, and I, I love this shot of Thrawn's uh, Star Destroyer just mm -hmm. looming over them. Um, yeah, it's uh, and, and I did, you know, we're getting a little bit of getting a little ahead of things here. And I love how. Thrawn will say, um, yeah, you, you did the work for me. Now I can just, you know, bombard the crud out of everything and my troops will be fine. So good plan, but not without its uh, faults. Mm -hmm. Cause that's the other problem. And this is one of the interesting things that they've always shown about Thrawn is he's capable and he's willing to go that extra step that you're not willing to. So the idea of, okay, just, you know, air, air bombardment of the entire city and killing thousands of people, I'll do that. If that's what it takes for me to win, I will do that. By the way, um, and I can't remember which, um, which podcast or blog I caught this on. This is not my original thought, but I find it interesting. So let me, let me tick off people even more. Okay, Ezra's alive, but Rebels has shown his tendency to lean towards the dark side of the Force. And mm -hmm. it's only been because of his family and his mentors that have kept him on the straight and narrow. And now that he has spent however many years, you know, in the outer whatever, in the unknown regions with arguably the you know most evil imperial governor or uh, admiral you know what if 
he is more along the dark side when we see him. Are we prepared? Because that is that is more feasible than him being dead, obviously, because we've seen him go dark. What if he starts that way and this show becomes kind of a redemption? It's save Ezra, but not just from where he is, but bring him back to what he should be because he hasn't had any positive influence for, like I said, however many years. Be an interesting point of view, just because it's it uh, it makes you wonder how long or how much time did they spend together wherever they went. You know, if you know, for all we know, they could have gone separate ways as soon as that star destroyer got to wherever it got. So uh, it'd be interesting to see because the other thing is you're right. There's always been you know, particularly uh, post Twilight of the Apprentice, there was a good arc regarding how willing Ezra was to kind of head down the dark side path because he felt so constrained and so uh, uh, limited by what Cain had taught him. And look at, look at this episode. He is surrounded by everybody who believes in him and loves him, you know, mm-hmm. and that those, those are the people in our lives that, you know, remind us of who we are. You know, it's, mm-hmm. we need our family, we need our friends. And it's when you get by yourself that the dark voices come in and, you know, you may, you know, are you, you know, are you uh, the same person when nobody's looking as when everybody's looking? So I, I think that would be interesting. It would be very similar to, you know, Luke in The Last Jedi. You know, people were, Mm -hmm. and are we ready for that? People were really upset about the way Luke was portrayed. You could portray Ezra as a, you know, like I said, lost in the dark side. Right. Or even to your point, not so much lost as just disillusioned, um, very much like Luke was. Um, again, this this is going to be set, what, 15-ish years after this, right? And we, um, and we know that the Emperor is hanging out on Exegol, which is in the unknown regions. There's a possibility mm-hmm. that the Emperor got his hands on him or they interacted at some point. So go ahead, Dave. Sorry. Oh, well, that's really the story that hasn't been told yet. Um, what's he been up to the last 15 years? Right. Um, and I imagine that we're going to get a little bit of that, but not a lot, because that's usually how these stories work. <laughs> um, they're like, we'll tell you a little bit. We're going to hint at it. But if you really want to know, stay tuned for seven years from now when the series Ezra debuts. You know, it'll be it'll be more like that. But um yeah, no, I, you know, I never, I'm not taking anything off the table when it comes to his character, um, in regards to how he's portrayed, um, what his experiences look like. I, I mean, I'm sure he'll be intact, um, in in that he will have survived uh, the years since since then. If because if they don't do that, that just I'm, I'm gonna. Another little, things. another little interesting thing, if you ever, you know, in the um, first season, when Kanan and um, Ezra fight the Grand Inquisitor, and Ezra sustains a cut to the face, and now he's got, he's had a scar on his face. Um, I, I just think, I think that's a really neat symbolic thing that they did for that character. Um, 
It's a callback to what they did with Anakin also, yeah. because between episodes two and three, they give Anakin a scar as well. Almost kind of showing that, you know, the wars uh, that they're fighting do the loss, leave the loss of, of the loss of innocence, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Very much so. that was kind of his first interaction with the dark side, you know, yeah. that leaves a mark. Um, I will tell you, I was not expecting where this episode is going right now was not expecting it um on many for a um i wasn't expecting to get the emperor Mm -hmm. for such a long time and b the way i know i'm I'm gonna have my head of things here now but b the way they portrayed him so we'll talk about that when we get there um but we're seeing thrawn talk about all the artwork he's got the jedi temple guard mask he's got you know sabine's artwork this is kind of creepy stuff he's been he's been on their tails collecting a lot of stuff also it kind of goes back to something we spoke about a few episodes ago about him having uh harris calcori it's the fact that he values things only in the way in which he can control them assess them he values the uh, Sabine's artwork, and not because of Sabine's qualities as an artist, but because it's something he can put up on his wall. There is something very uh, uh, colonial about the way Thrawn considers all the, the art and all the things that he collects. It's, it's got nothing to do with their quality into itself. It's only how he can just further you know, cement his intelligence or whatever. And, Oh, hey, here's the nice old uh, grandpa hologram. You know, uh, I always want to know how uh, hologram technology works in Star Wars. I mean, I get that um, the Emperor is standing in front of a camera, but what? where's the projector for this? I don't know. This, Like I said, this whole thing with the Emperor is weird. It's good, but it's weird. Um I think in, in many ways it's necessary. It's almost like this is the final test for Ezra. Yeah. Yeah. Much in the same way as it will be for Luke years later, you know, facing the Emperor. It's got nothing to do with uh, picking up a laser sword and swinging it around. It's all about rejecting that temptation to go down the path of evil. It's, I can give you whatever you want. Can you really? No, not really. So, at least not the way you think. So the interesting line here was they said that thing went back to warn Thrawn of our attack. And then the Matt Martin, or I can't remember what his name is. He says, yeah, yeah. just like just like Ezra said. I mean, mm-hmm. why did we not? And maybe it's because it wasn't in a movie. But I mean, Ray gets raked over the coals for being a Mary Sue. It's like mm-hmm. we've made Ezra Bridger like one of the most powerful Jedi ever if he's seeing into the future and he's, you know, it, it's just Star Wars fans are well, he's, weird. Yeah, he's either seen into the future or he's developed the kind of tactical, like, tactical acumen that can rival Thrawn, right. which says a lot about him. You know, it's a, he's either, you know, so strong in the force he can kind of foretell how things are going to go or he's, you know, playing chess, 40 chess, four moves ahead of everybody, including the grownups. Um, I will say that uh, uh, the maybe it's a little clunky the stuff with the emperor here, but it's super critical. Oh yeah, 
in terms of wrapping up Ezra's story and actually cementing the fact that really Rebels ultimately is his story. Um, I think you can make the case that this is an ensemble piece all the way up to this point in the story. But this this episode is Ezra's episode. And this is where everything that he has learned and everything that we know about his character really comes yeah. home to roost. Yep, it's it's his uh, it's his final uh, uh, final uh, test, or that's for sure, final exams. Um, I still love Melch. Sorry. Um. <laughs> it was really good, though. I mean, like off topic slightly, but you know, it was good to get Ugnots that aren't just comic relief in the Mandalorian. Yeah. Eventually, you know, like we eventually got to a point where it's like, okay, cool. These are these are people with agency that we should respect and we should respect that about them. Um, Melch is hilarious, but yeah, he's, I found it at the very beginning of this emperor thing. I was like, what I like utterly like my first reaction was what it's young Palpatine, but then it's like hundred percent. He's, he's not going to come at it with, as the, you know, wicked witch from snow white, you know, he's going to project a very grandfatherly caring, he, you know, he's going to, but yeah, it's just, it, it's just, it was kind of, it was just kind of off putting at first, but then it was like, yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah. I mean, he's trying to seduce, uh, S Ryan to do what he wants. He's not going to seduce him by being the cackling, maniacal, evil face that he saw in uh, in the world between worlds, he's gonna be no no I'm much the same way as he seduced Anakin, and so much of the galaxy as Chancellor Palpatine. It's, and no, I'm your I'm your I'm your nice old granddad who's gonna do the right thing by you. And you what only did, want what you want. And what did they re, did they recreate part of the Jedi Temple on this Star Destroyer? Mm-hmm. Is that what we're yep. to believe? Yes, he uh, after the Jedi Temple, I believe in season two. Uh, was they hit the self-destruct button and it all collapsed? They uh, no, that was to peace. That I mean, that that Jedi Temple was the one that just was vanished like right. uh, a couple episodes ago. So it wasn't early season. Well, no, no, because remember that when uh, Ahsoka, Kanan, and Ezra went to the Jedi Temple, remember it would come out and then whatever it would you know go back into the ground. Yeah, he they found it and took pieces of it and recreated it in part. Again, they're, 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 his mindset is very much, uh, there's a secret here, there's a power here, I need you to help me unlock it, no, and no, I'll help just, you get what you want. It's just so, weird that it's on a Star Destroyer, that's my that's my only thing. <laughs> but it's it, it's still good, It's I understand the what they're doing with the story. Uh, I think the yeah, the reason they did that was to make it a little more plausible that this is all happening in real time other rather than like warping him all the way across the world and raising the temple out up out of the ground and rebuilding it on the spot you know like all of these yeah steps you would have to it's just like no it just happens to be here it's on the star destroyer already oh okay that's convenient cool we can move forward in the story um but yeah like it's it's ultimately a cudgel used against ezra for the emperor to get what he wants um which is ultimate power as usual 
I love this little moment when they're, they're running towards the shield generator. And uh, Seth goes, well, I just realized the only flaw in our, pro in our plan to trap all the stormtroopers here with us was now we got all the stormtroopers here with us. Like, you know, this was a great idea. We didn't have to go anywhere, but now we have to go someplace bearing our way. And again, with as, as long as this episode is, because we're halfway through it, and it does not feel it, it was a double episode i mean mm -hmm. 40 some minutes but it did, did not feel that way at all um yeah see ezra is thinking that if he that he can well and and again having seen the world between worlds he probably 100 percent believes that he could walk through that door and be with his parents you know, is this, also, is this a portal? But it's just a, you know, yeah, it's not a thing. But it's also a question of what exactly you're trying to do. I mean, Ahsoka was very clear when she was going to him that it's not really changing things. It's your, you know, if you start doing stuff like, you know, if you start trying to change things up for your own sake, you may damage things beyond. You can't bet on sporting uh, events. You can't talk to your former self. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much. You come back to a world where Biff Tannen rules uh, uh, Hill Valley and marry your mom. So And Melts just got shot, reading? and I was upset when I watched this episode. But, uh, yeah. One of the things, I mean, that I'm loving about this episode, is not just, all oh, these are all characters that Ezra has brought together, that they're completely different. You got former clones, former pirates, uh, former Imperial rebel, you know, each and every one of them is there for their own reason, but at the same time, they are all brought together by this mission to defeat the Empire. <laughs> and here we got Zeb going a whomping and a whooping on uh, uh, on Rook. On Rook. What does the Empire have against railings? <laughs> a good question because they you know family guy said look i don't want the dental all of these are real right here so uh, i have a i have a little bit of a yeah i find it interesting that you know because gregor just got shot and spoiler alert gregor dies and we're supposed to have a big emotional reaction but really we only saw gregor in one or two episodes two seasons ago and it, you know what i mean it's like i i know they wanted some sort of dramatic effect it's like not to say that people we need to kill off people in an episode but if you're going to you know make it you know make it a little bit more meaningful i don't know i just i found gregor to be an interesting choice you knew somebody had didn't couldn't make it back from the from the mission and one of the three former clone troopers, or one of the two that's not named Rex, had to be good. Was an easier one. Ezra's parents, the Ezra's parents are Cat Stevens and Katy Perry, by the way. Just... A very lot, very meaningful family, huh? You know, this is a very real thing. It's like, I mean, think about if you were, you had the opportunity. It, I mean, it's the Harry Potter and the Resurrection Stone. If you had the, if you 
had the chance to, you know, if you've lost a parent or a loved one, if you could bring them back, if even for a day, would that, how tempting would that be? You know, but then, you know, is that the right thing? So, I mean. But it's, yeah, it's also the idea of you get to have, because this is what he's always wanted from the first moment that we met Ezra is he wanted family. He wanted that family that he lost. And here's again the chance to have that family again. But he's like, no, I have a new family. It's Canaan, it's Hera, it's uh, um, uh, Seb and Sabine and Chopper. That's his family now. And, you know, he's not sacrificing his new family for his old one, for his old one, for his new one. And there you go, the mask goes off. Yeah, I like how the Emperor's Zoom filter is failing. Um, <laughs> I'm not a cat. Um, I'm not a cat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, so I, I dig this and I was not expecting us to see Royal Guards coming in a whomping and a whooping. Which is, I like I said, really pretty cool. Um, and again, they're making it so it's not easy on Astro. It's uh Okay, uh, you want to be a Jedi? This is what it means. You want to do the right thing? You know, it's going to cost you or, you know, because that's the nature of the Emperor. The Emperor is like, oh, I'll offer you the path that's easy and, you know, gives you exactly what you you want, not realizing it's never going to work out that way. You think the, the Royal Guards are sitting there going, God, we, we're holding this target still. You guys can't hit him. We got three stormtroopers <laughs> shooting at him, so... I can't hit anything. Yeah. Just like usual. I love the fact that they gave Seb the big duel with Rook. Yeah, you got to give Zeb something to do. Mm -hmm. You got to give Zeb a hero moment, right? Well, well and that's the mm -hmm. thing. When you, you're talking about an ensemble thing, and this is Ezra's story, but you had, you, you had to have some because we care about Hera, we care about Sabine, we care about Zeb, we care about Callus. Everybody had to, you know, we had to feel that they were, you know, that they were on the line and not just there as set pieces. So I thought they did a good job just putting this episode together. It didn't, I mean, there was, like you said, a lot of little side battles, a lot of little, I mean, they're bouncing between Ezra and the Emperor and the battle on the station. And it flows pretty well. Uh, uh, by Rook. And again, once again, much like the ethos of the show, it's like that the rebellion is always pulling stuff out of the skin of their teeth. <laughs> Zeb, sorry, you'll have to call back. He's busy at the moment. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, yeah, never mind about <laughs> calling back. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit of trash talk goes a long way, mm -hmm. uh, especially when they've been like dealing with this guy's arrogance, Thrawn's arrogance for just, you know, what, two seasons now? It's just been a lot to deal with. It's nice to see them get those little moments now. And I like how we have the, uh, the, you know, the, 
the fake death from like you know the Jim Belushi <laughs> movie uh, Canine, where you thought the dog was mm-hmm. dead and he's not. So, but Melch is alive, so that's good. Um, but Gregor is on his way out. But again, I mean, when I first I, that that was the thing. We just finally saw Gregor in the Bad Batch, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and it's it's one of those things that when this episode when when Rebels was going on, it's like it's like should I know these guys, Wolf and Gregor? And so I went diving back into the Clone Wars episodes. It's like they're nowhere. Um, so talk about another story that has yet to be told is where'd Wolf and Gregor come from? So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we got uh several unidentified objects just entered orbit <laughs> um they're destroying the blockade our ships are just gone um and captain Pelion, he was actually in the uh mandalorian he was the dude that uh was in the shadow council type thing um so he's kind of Thrawn's right-hand man and uh, um, heir to the Empire, I believe. But yeah, we yeah. got we got the Purgle. We got the space, space whales. whales. And yeah, they're just destroying, destroyed all the Imperial ships. For people that watched this show, the Purgle episode was just like, that was like exhibit A of what are we doing? It was weird. Like we're, it was weird. It was disposable. It was filler. It, it was like what it, the shark. It felt like jumping the shark a bit. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, and and it was just like what? Why? What? 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 What are we doing here? Like, what are we even doing here? And then for that payoff with this, you're like, oh my gosh, Filoni, you beautiful bastard. I I love you. <laughs> and by the way, and to that point. Filoni did it better in this episode than J.J. Abrams did in episode nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is this is Star Wars Endgame moment. You know, this is where everything's, you know, where the Purgles come okay. flying in and, you know, that's that's the, you know, all the Avengers coming back together. Um, and that's what they're trying to get in Rise of Skywalker and didn't get this. I mean, like I said, this is just you didn't see this coming in this episode. But remember, this has been hinted at since uh, the Bendu hold Thrawn. So, you know, many arms holding you in an embrace. So this has been set up since back then. And it's interesting that until when you get this moment, that's when you go, oh, that's what he meant. So, again, clearly this wasn't uh, 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 something that they just made up. This was the plan all along for the story to go this way. Like I said, there's uh, I, everybody, everybody, you know, uh, maybe he's a natural, but it's like have the force powers to do all the things that he's doing. And yet we get mad that Ray does the Jedi mind trick, you know, to a stormtrooper on her first day. You know what I mean? It's like he mm-hmm. is windows are busted in this in this uh, star destroyer. So he's creating this bubble. You can see the floating glass. He's creating this bubble to protect he and Thrawn. 
and then they're going to launch off into hyperspace. So moving at light speed with busted windows, protected only by the, that's why I'm, I'm sorry, I'm ranting on this and I know you guys are in agreement. It's just like, so when people get mad about things, it's like, but then why didn't you get mad over here? <laughs> because this seems a little bit more ridiculous than that, even though this is really the, cool. No, because they, they got mad because it was somebody who they didn't connect with, a character didn't connect with, and they had to make it everybody's problem. The reaction well, here, by the way, sorry for I cut you off right now, the reaction mm -hmm. here is priceless. Everybody is just, they're not blinking and staring like, I love that. Was that the plan? Because <laughs> we're clear up here. Uh, Aaron, I know that question was rhetorical uh, earlier, but uh, it's misogyny is the answer to no, your question. I, know. I, know. And, I mean, that's just like, like, okay, but. um. Well, they got mad. They got mad at Luke for doing force projection. Too. So yes. I, I don't even know how you're going to get mad at Luke doing something awe-inspiring when that was what they were begging for for the last several decades. I mean, you're 100. Um, you're 100 correct that it was misogyny, but like I said, they also like I said got mad that it's like, and they got mad at like Ryan Johnson for giving him a new superpower, and it's like, good lord. Anyway, but that's part and parcel of the dynamic of uh, Star Wars is you, the Force is. All, all, all capable, all everything. It's just a question of what do you need in this story, and you can get it from the force. But so, yeah, no, it's we we've talked about ridiculous. this the last couple of weeks, a couple of times about Sabine, and I said I've come over to the other side where it's because Kanan says the force um, is in all living things, and mm -hmm. whoever said I, I think it I think it is fan there she is using a lightsaber by I think the way. it is fan headcanon about this idea of being force sensitive I don't think anything has ever been like said in the movies or anything like that where you know I mean they they obviously could tell that you know the force was you know really strong in Anakin you know and you can tell when it's like okay force is strong they did it with Ezra as well you know Kanan figured that out but like I said what I mean it seems like you have to be force sensitive to be able to use the force that you have inside of you and that that is now starting to bother me because I'm fully expecting Sabine to be I mean that if she trained with Ahsoka I don't think it was just to learn how to duel with a lightsaber I think it was remember, to, I mean, to I think it was from, to tap into and use the force. But it's also, I mean, what did Yoda and Obi-Wan tell you in the movies way back when? It was that the force is in all living things. And the way that it exhibits itself, sometimes it exhibits itself as the Jedi, you know, have they been trained to use their power. Sometimes it's, you know, a little boy being able to pot race because with no training, because he's got the force and is able to see things. Before they happen, it's uh, you know, you can see into the future just a snap second to know, but I make a left hand turn or a right hand turn. So, no, you I, know, the I, ability I, to use the force, you know, the force is in everybody. The ability to use it requires training, and not everybody gets. It. I get that, and I agree with you 100. percent But what I'm saying is that there are several, you know, fans, people out there that are. It's like they keep saying, "No, she's not for." I don't think she's force sensitive. Because you because know, they need her to be what she's been. As I think, I think it might be, be. I think it might be what Dave said earlier. It's misogyny once again. It, it uh, is. It is. But but it's also a lot of it is just simply they want 
everything to fit into a nightly box where you can just say, oh, if you have XYZ, you can be a Jedi. If you have XYZ, ABC, you can be, you know, a force user. And the reality is these rules that people want, they want their head cannon to be canon. Now, that's not the way it works. One of the interesting things, however, um, is that apparently, and I'd have to look this up, but um, to, I mean, I've seen this on Screen Rant and on um, uh, New Rockstars. They've talked about uh, in some writings that before they started using hyperspace, you know, Jedi, you, you would have to use the Force to navigate hyperspace and get to these places so i'm wondering if what ezra is saying to sabine i you know i can count on you that Mm -hmm. she needs to finish her training so that she can use the force to navigate the purgle trails to wherever he went to and find him it could be a literal interpretation that you could go with i mean like literally could be that or it could just be I want you to come find me <laughs> um, and I'm asking you to do it because I trust you because by the end of it, she was the person that he trusted most. I, I thought a like, nice little character moment here that, that we sort of glossed over. She was the one that nuked the Imperial, Imperial ship, which is like a callback to her being like this person who just tends to blow everything up. <laughs> well, and she also designed a weapon that destroyed Mandalorian armor, you know, so it's kind of, it was a big payback moment for her. Yeah, this is, was her thing for for forever and ever. And then um, they they paid they paid it off. And I like that Hera acknowledged that even in universe they acknowledged that she's like this. Yeah, now it's you. And and she blew the thing up. Um, so, so we're in the epilogue, and I think yeah. we're going to see this in Ahsoka. I mean, we're seeing mm-hmm. we've seen shot for shot almost. Unless Ahsoka kept coming back, you know, several times, you know, which maybe she did if they were, you know, if she trained. Um, and we uh, confirm, like I said, that uh, Hera fought in the Battle of Endor and so did uh, Rex. Rex. Callus went back to Lyrasan with uh, Zeb. So they've become kind of soul brothers. I know a lot of people uh, ship those two too, but you know, we don't know. <laughs> this this uh um well if we want to ship something in this episode, it is um Hondo and Melch. That's <laughs> far more obvious. Um but I the what okay, so when they announced uh Jason Sandula, did you guys go humana 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 what? <laughs> Yeah, I had to work backwards in in my head and really start to connect the dots on that one because she they had established that she had never expressed her love for him mm-hmm. prior to his death until like a minute before his death, literally. So it's like, okay, that's actually a really big step for Star Wars in general to just sort of acknowledge that two people conception got down. yeah yeah two people can get down without like saying i love you first you know um that's not really part of what george presented to children back in 1977 you know um 
and this is and this is an animated show too right it's on freaking it was on disney xd so um that was a significant significant thing and that's why i think my brain was broken when it occurred in real time because it was like what how when <laughs> but you won't worry about doing the math you're worried about doing the wait today yeah so yeah well i mean and that by the way at the end there that mural um we've seen that in um trailer footage as well so right. i'm anxious to see how this epilogue and by the way dave filoni did a better epilogue than harry potter did yeah just saying um and it, like i said it was well done it it tied some loops but not you know not too tight left some things open like i said you see sabine going off with ahsoka you know there's a, another story to be told there but everybody else you're like okay everybody's cool and everybody's good it was it was just a good ending to this series um, and that's and that's what i'm kind of surprised that we're gonna go revisit all this again with ahsoka because i mean it ended in such a satisfying way and sometimes i mean there there's the literal ending where okay everything gets answered and story's done but it's also the emotional ending that you kind of have to reach. Not every story gets it right. For every story that gets it, like Rebels or even Clone Wars, it gives you a satisfying conclusion. Well, it's you get many stories that leave you disappointed in how they in how they tie things off. And so I'm kind of surprised that they that they're willing to go back and you know kind of pick at it and kind of go forward. Well, it's like I'm glad that they got season season seven of the Clone Wars because that ending is a satisfying ending you know? um but if they would have left it with just season six it wouldn't it was not a satisfying ending to that it just we got canceled you know mm -hmm. dave final thoughts before we all go watch ahsoka <laughs> um yeah everybody should watch this uh if you haven't watched it i mean like if you're listening to this you probably watched this right um or maybe it's maybe it's been a minute maybe you're reviewing it with us great um everybody should watch this you should watch it again and again you should you should go back and revisit your favorite episodes and watch your favorite characters get into adventures because this is this is to me some of the purest star wars there is um there's there's kind of this um i don't know stigma that, that permeates everything prequel era um there's people are really divided on sequel era stuff um but this for me it's it, it ties into a new hope so well not just in terms of like some of the designs and we've talked about the ralph mccory stuff etc but also just in the tone um it's it's a little more light-hearted it's a little more um about family and relationships and 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 those being positive things not negative things um and just that found family aspect to it. Um, I adore the, all of that. And for those reasons, I adore this show. Um, and I just think like if Ahsoka captures like half of that, maybe it, it'll, it'll be a win for all of us. 
So we don't have to talk about this, but I will tell you, first of all, Ahsoka, part one is 56 minutes. Part two is 44 minutes. Part one's description, a valuable prisoner escapes New Republic custody. A search for answers reunites two old friends. Are we going to that's see an hour and 40 minutes. Esposito? That's, Are we going to see a little bit? It's an hour. Uh, no, I'm just saying that the new, because... Are we? Is this going to be dovetailing into the Mandalorian a little bit? We'll find out. Um, part two is 44 minutes, and it says Ahsoka and General Hera Sandula travel to the New Republic shipyards and make an unexpected discovery. Dun, dun, dun. But with that, we will say who dat? Who dat? Oh, look. It's, I'm sorry. Who dat? If this was a video podcast, Linus just made a made a uh, appearance. Appearance. I don't know if you heard him during the course of the episode. He was squeaking a ball like oh, the whole freaking time. So didn't, he didn't hear him, that, but I that I, comes I, in in the background. He but, looked uh, at the camera like, "Oh crud!" And then it was like the when the you know the kids come bopping into the uh, you know the guy's interview, and <laughs> and then the mother comes and saves. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> Sweet puppy. All right. Well, anyway, like I said, we've said who that. So everybody have a great week and enjoy Ahsoka. We'll be talking about these episodes next week. Makanki.